Hello everybody, welcome back to Farscape Rewatch, Season 4, Episode 17. I am your host, Cantwell Hats, and with me is Red Nightmare. Hats, here, take some popcorn, let's watch a documentary. Oh, I've had enough popcorn, what, is it just normal popcorn? It's toffee popcorn. Oh, alright then, fine, I guess, I guess we can do that. <laughs> yeah, let's just sit back, chill, and watch a documentary about the Farscape crew. Yes. Which is kind of what this episode is, so hey, we're back, following on from last week's episode, Bringing Home the Beacon... This is episode 17, A Constellation of Doubt. And as we set up last week, this is basically... Uh, there's a lot more to it, actually, than, than the basic premise, because the synopsis on Wikipedia was a, pay, was a sentence long, mm. which is, John watches a documentary about Earth and, it's, and the aliens. It's like, okay, there's a lot more to this episode than yes. that. There's a, there's a lot more, which is good. That's good stuff, but... Uh, yeah, that yeah. is a bit reductive. It's very reductive. But so when this episode starts, there's a whole bunch of previously on things. Mm-hmm. And we have, of course, you know, mostly it's dealing with the events of Terra Firma and a little bit of Kansas and just going back to Earth. But also the fact that Aaron is a robot or was a robot or was replaced by a robot. By a freling synth. Or no, bioloids, they're called. Yeah. Bioloids. So yeah, we have that. That kind of comes in at the end of the previously on. It's like, oh, by the way, Aaron's been kidnapped and just, was replaced just so with you know. a duplicate. So yeah, just keep that in mind. So yeah, now let's get into uh, the actual meat of this episode. So we start out. We're in we're Bob Moyer. We're in John's quarters, actually. Well, actually, not quite yet because we start out. We start out with the TV show. Yes, because uh, there's a there's a man standing in front of a TV set. It's an older white man with like thinning hair and glasses, and it's like, and it's like the, there's like a single chair and a background, and the yeah. background I think the background does have does it have constellation of doubt written on it? It's it like, says alien alien visitation. visitation. That's yeah. right. Okay, yes. It's like good evening. I'm here to talk to you about aliens. I forgot his name. I don't care. Uh, Monroe is his ah, name. Monroe. And it's like Officer Aronson, General Cardago. And I'm like, hang on, no, no, no. He's not a general. That's just his markings. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> He's not actually a general. We had there was an episode that involved that in season two, but still. <laughs> and as actually they're sa- he's saying this, it's showing you know uh, images of them from when they were on Earth. Sikozu Svala Shanti Sugasi Shanu, her full name. Wow! In one go, hats nice. That's because it's written down in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier that way. Uh, Dominar Rigel the Sixteenth Chiana. Utu Naranti Pratalong, the pilot, and these are the first extraterrestrials known of a visit. He's got a very sort of serious, yeah, you know, like, American this is, voice. Oh, this is very serious. No, that's Rigel. <laughs> right, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the impression you do for Rigel and everybody else. <laughs> it seems. Ah, uh, I'm just gonna. We're just gonna. This whole episode is gonna be me dragging Red. Just. <laughs> This is the documentary of the Farscape Rewatch podcast. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so, yeah, he's saying it's now been several months since I left with Commander John Crichton aboard their ship Moya. And as he says this, like, images of Crichton and Moya slide in from either side of screen. <laughs> in, like, really, really bad production values. Yeah. But this was early 2000s, like, documentary production values. Not great. Even for that time, these production values are bad. 
And I feel that's going to be relevant at the end. Yeah, I think it's intentional, and they are intentionally kind of a little bit hokey. Yes. But the, he turns around and says, Besides their names, what else do we really know about them? Precious little, except for the carefully orchestrated appearance allowed by our government. Good evening, I'm your host. Oh, is it R. Wilson Monroe? That's his name. R. Wilson Monroe, yes. And tonight we pierce the veil of secrecy, showing you these aliens as no one has witnessed them before. And as as he's saying this, the camera pulls back... And pulls back through the TV screen. Yeah. Because then we see, like, scan lines as he's watching on... We pull back and it's a big CRT TV because, of course, early 2000s, flat screens Mm -hmm. weren't really a thing yet. Nope. And we pull back and it's John in his quarters on Moya watching this on the TV. Yeah. And Rigel's also there and he's like, well, what do you expect? They're They're a planet full of xenophobic idiots. Superstitious morons and... yeah. Nothing makes sense if they didn't think of it first. And even then, it's simplistic drivel. And he turns to Crichton, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, are you from there? <laughs> I like what John says, though. He's like, it's not it's not, it's not, not what you expect, it's what you hope for. Yeah. That's what it's about. But then Rigel you know, starts giving him crap, so John just picks him up. He's like, right, that's it, get out. <laughs> Leave. You can't do this. And he takes your popcorn, he throws the popcorn in Rigel's mm. face. And also, uh, Rigel does actually mention, it's like, I told Pilot not to tell you that he'd intercepted this transmission. Yeah, and I'm like, how? Yeah, yeah that, that kind of doesn't make sense. It's Okay, so it could have come through the wormhole. Yeah. But we starbursted away from the wormhole... At least once, probably more times. Maybe they picked it up when they were in the wormhole. Okay, headcanon. Maybe they picked it up when they came back through the wormhole and there was a time dilation as why he said why the thing says it's been six months since they left. Oh that could be the case. You know what? Alright, there we go. Headcanon. Yes. Boom. That could have been the case. Time dilation due to the wormhole that he picked it up right as they came out, but it was actually not six months old. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I I that's my headcanon, and I feel like that makes the most sense out of anything that we could come up with. Yes. Everything else would be stupid. But yeah, John throws Rigel out and throws a popcorn over him. John then calls Sokozu on the comms, and she's up in command on a console, and he he's asking, he's like, have you found anything about Katratzi? No. And Sokozu has actually a great line where she's like, listen, as stupid as you must think them, the Scarens have managed to build one of the most extensive empires in the galaxy, in part, and I will repeat this, because it does not seem to sink in, by not advertising the location of their secret bases. It's a great line. It's so it's good. so it's, good. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? She's got a point, really. What do you expect, John? It's like, large neon sign to paste it onto an asteroid saying, Secret base, this way. <laughs> You've heard of Katratzi. You found it. <laughs> 500 miles to Katratzi. <laughs> yeah. You are now approaching Katratzi. <laughs> Next turn, Katratzi. Yeah, no, of course not. And John, he's still like, are you asking the right people? Are you asking in Scarron? And Sokozis is just like... She swears <gasps> back in Scarron. He's like, I know what that means. Love you too. He's like, listen, if you bother me one more time, you can come down here and do it yourself. And then clicks off the comms. But yeah, she's been trying and found nothing. But John, John, in his way that we've seen him, you know, do before, he's pressing because he's anxious and he's, Mm. you know, really wants to find out. Yeah. Remember how obsessed he was with wormholes? Oh yeah, that was nothing compared to this. So yeah, and we know there's there's that kind of flip side to him never giving up. It's the Mm. obsession with... yeah pursuing something that seems like a dead end Mm -hmm. so then we go back to john watching tv and monroe turns up again he says when we come back we'll meet aaron's son 
Uh, Officer Aronson, rumoured in many circles to be John Crichton's lover, and she will reveal a side of herself that viewers may find disturbing. Just hearing him talk and the way he chooses his words, yes. like, yeah, this is a talk show host with an agenda, all right? Oh, yes, it is. It oozes off this entire documentary, because I think it then goes into a bit where Aaron starts talking to Monroe about... Yeah, so I'm not sure if this is now or earlier, but that... So when we have the title cut, mm-hmm. it is also on, like, the... Not quite the titles, but, like, when we come back, we'll talk to Aaron, and it ah, goes... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes to an ad break on in the show, and it plays the theme, and the theme syncs up with the beginning of the titles. Oh. It's like, bomb, bomb, bomb. And goes into the titles. I was like, I did oh, that's not a nice. That. It's just that, like they matched up the the beats to it so that it faded in quite nicely. Oh, sweet. It's the kind of thing you notice after editing audio for about a year and a half. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but they come back and yes, so he, he's having a sit down interview with Aaron. And he's basically trying to talk like trying to get her to admit that there's aliens out there that are a threat and Aaron's like look you are so primitive and underdeveloped that they really couldn't care you're not an enemy as long as you don't ally with anybody you're not definitely not an ally because why would we need your help yeah and he keeps pressing like but it is a possibility and she's like yes if the peacekeepers for whatever reason were to attack earth there would be nothing you could do to stop you and you can clearly hear her Take breath for a butt. But that's why they cut. Yeah, and they cut. It's like, well, you'll see. But she does also actually say in that interview, she says, why are you so determined to twist this into something it's not? Yep. And she's, you know, very frustrated. And and Monroe says, because, Officer Sun, you're an admitted soldier in an alien army, but you look human, indistinguishable. How are we to know that there aren't already thousands of your people roaming our planet, preparing for our destruction? And it's like, look, John, John must have explained this to you already. And he says, no, we want to hear it from you. Mm. And then, yeah, goes on to explain how useless and backwards and unimportant Earth is. Yeah, it's like nobody... Look, first of all, you can't go back to this glorious sacrosanct isolation that you had, period. There's nothing you can do about that. Second of all, you're not as thrilling important as you think you are. Yeah, and if somebody wanted to destroy you on the galactic stage where we come from they could do it really easily yeah so then we cut back to monroe pacing in front of his set and he says you know this interview has not been seen before because it was held back at the request of our own government and the united nations Mm. and he says but tonight you'll have a chance to see portions of over 120 hours of previously unseen footage along with comments from various experts and leaders and tonight i will be joined by a boy who's in the right place at the right time with the right connections. So uh, Monroe brings out, actually brings out Bobby, uh, Crichton's... Okay, he brings out Bobby, Crichton's nephew. Except that in Terra Firma, it was Bobby, Crichton's cousin. He was his cousin in Terra Firma, and his nephew in this... That doesn't add up. It's funny, because in our language, that's the same word. In Dutch, you actually use the same word for both. It shouldn't be. <laughs> that's a it different shouldn't be relation. in this language, but it's funny that's like... It, it, it's actually the same? Well, yeah, well, nephew is like he's the... That would mean that he's the child of one of Crichton's siblings. Yeah, from uh, the child of his sister. Yeah, but cousin just implies that he's... Oh, God. <laughs> it, it's has, different. Has, could this mean that it's from an unrealized reality? No! <laughs> Why? <laughs> throwing the world in there, anyway. It's like... It's just a weird continuity mix-up. Yeah. So anyway, Bobby comes out. Basically, he's introduced as having some exclusive footage. And Momoro says, you know, how did you get the 
get this remarkable footage and Bobby explains like, well, we were with John and the aliens when they got back to Earth and yeah. we got to stay there and with uh, granddad, with Grandpa, Aunt Olivia and the aliens. And I, I like how pushy Monroe is here trying yeah. to get like to get him to admit that there was lo- something going wrong and how very well Bobby just deflects all that. It's like, but did, did you ever feel threatened? No. No, they were they were just pretty cool. Because when he first came out, I was like, "God dang, dang it, Bobby! Don't sell them out." But no, he's he's like, "No, they they were actually pretty cool, nice people." And Monroe also start asks like, "Well, why do you come out with this footage now? Why do you sit in that for so many months?" And Bobby's like, "Look, with all the accusations going around, we figured we should show the story, how, like show these people how they really are." Yeah, and so uh, we see home movies of. You know, all the stuff that Bobby was filming during mm-hmm. Terra Firma yeah. and, and more. And so we see Dargo, first of all, and Dargo's like, you know, I've seen a lot of your movies, and in all of them the aliens are always evil, and Earth is always victorious. So you're saying is that we need to realize that there's also nice aliens? It's like, no, I'm saying you need to learn you won't always win. <laughs> <sighs> and then we get the experts. Yeah, so, yeah, we, a large part of this episode is a lot of talking heads coming in, and they have like nameplates, and they're like, you know, Doctor Hamilton from the University of Michigan, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And they uh, discuss various aspects of the different bits of footage we see. I just realized somebody with a PhD is discussing a home video. I mean, yeah, a home video of aliens, though. To be fair, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> when you start realizing that's the context in which these people were talking, it gets kind of weird. It's like. Arr, arr, arr. Wait, what? But yeah, so the first one to come out, you know, is actually Dr. Hamilton, University of Michigan. He says, yeah, this is a watershed moment in human history. Will we bend under the weight of it or respond and flourish? Yeah, and then the psych... I think, was it the psychologist, the woman? God, I hate that woman. God, I hate that woman. There's a, a female, yeah, psychologist who's just like, you know, doesn't trust the aliens, basically. She has some of the most gloriously horrible lines that the experts get to, get to mm. use. She twists things so beautifully. Yeah, because we have a few different bits of footage. We see Aaron telling Bobby, you know, humans can't fully accept us. but And we're the nice ones. Also, this is while she's making a sandwich in, like, the kitchen of yeah. the Florida house. And she's actually wearing just, like, a normal T-shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just making a sandwich, talking about that. And, like, what about the next aliens that come down the wormhole? And then there's another, someone from the International Society of Sociology who says biggest fear of the fabric of society may come under an assault it's not prepared for and and then we see uh Sikozu, and Sikozu talks about political complications from a wormhole floating in your atmosphere mm. will devastate a planet that is still in the throes of intra-species chaos it's like you know what she's got a point i mean this entire documentary is proving her point <laughs> yeah so we are still arguing amongst ourselves and then this wormhole appears and it's like yeah, you're not going to get anywhere if you keep doing that which is also what why John was so adamant to make everyone work together in the terra firma. Yeah, and then we have a, a little scene of Bobby being in Dargo's ship and him showing the footage of when they killed Leviathan. And throughout this, the psychologist says, well, this is clearly, this is clearly an act of uh, psychological warfare on our part. It's like, one, he was telling it to a 12-year-old, so yeah. no. Second of all, were you paying attention to how incredibly troubled he is by this like yeah he's that type of warrior it's like i don't like fighting i sometimes i kill monsters sometimes i kill people who were just in the wrong spot and it's horrible 
And he's like, are you sh- he's reluctant to show it to Bobby yeah. in the first place. And, you know, the woman also says there's been a 700% increase in panic and anxiety attacks since the aliens visited. It's like, uh, I mean, I can see, I can understand why. Yeah. People would be afraid. And I don't want to be rude, but in that time, when anxiety and fear attacks were much more, like, shoved under the carpet... I don't think a 700% of reported incidents would be that much. Mm, there would there'd probably be a lot more unreported as well, you know. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we also see Rigel stuffing his face with food. and says to Bobby, he's like, if Earth is remembered, it'll be for the quality of your manual labor. <laughs> and he's so clearly joking. But, of course, these people do not have the context for that. And so we cut back to Monroe. And he says, you know, in going through this footage, we found one alien who never failed to elicit extreme curiosity from people at the network and that was general cardago okay so i want to make a point here quickly monroe only refers to dargo as general dargo and that is a deliberate a, oh, that is a deliberate word course. choice why did i not realize that because he you know he's painting him as his general military a, military and in charge yeah and mentioning that whenever he mentions dargo's name yeah like you have to look at how he's talking about it oh wow there's so many of these things in there it's like yeah they really took the playbook of how do you manipulate footage and speech and just ran with it yeah and you know playing to the audience's fears and all that Mm, sort of thing yes this is very clearly playing to someone's fears and so then we have more footage oh there's also like there's one guy that says like well now that we've opened this pandora's box uh, i don't think we can ever go back you didn't open anything this just happened to you. You <laughs> yeah. had nothing to do with it. Get over it. But he's right, though. You can't go back from this. There's no no, t- no going back from, from this. No, that's true. But just the the implication that Earth had anything to do with it. No. No, no you didn't. And so uh, we, also, we see that Bobby, you know, is stunned when he sees the Leviathan being blown up, mm. the footage. And then he asks Dargo, it's like, could Earth stop anyone if they attacked? And Dargo says, no. So then that pulls back and there's a general... Yeah. He's like the most. Dis- that's the disturbing thing. And Dargo's ship, we can't figure it out. And and then there's some another expert saying, you know, because he said this, you know, what Dargo said, General Dargo said, there is an act of psychological terror. No, it's not. He's talking to a twelve-year-old. Uh, twisting it, of course. And so he, John fast forwards through a bunch of it, and uh, they get to the point. Dargo tells Bobby, he's like, no, we're leaving. And so we're. I think they're up on on Moya at that point. Yeah, they're up on Moya and. And Dargo is... I think they're still on the ship, uh, his ship, actually. But they're talking about how they're leaving because people here are making it very difficult for them to stay. And at this point, in real life, Dargo has approached John's quarters. Yeah, he's standing just outside the door and looking in. And he, like, waves the door open, comes in and says, You know, you shouldn't be watching this. And he you know, stops the tape and is like, Here, watch this tape instead. And puts in a tape of some American football and... Mm-hmm. This is one you brought back from Earth. and You mean American rugby, right? No, American football. Are you sure? Sure? I, it looks a lot like rugby to me. I don't disagree, but they call it American <laughs> football, okay? Look, there's no American on this show. We can pull that off. <laughs> hand egg. It's called hand egg. Yes. <laughs> um, but John's like, well, the, they win and nobody does anything interesting. I've seen it and put my tape back in. 
And Dargo's like, no, you shouldn't be watching that. And then Dargo turns and says, look, we can't find Katrazzi. Pilot searched everywhere. Sokoja searched everywhere. We can't find it. And John's like, where have I heard that name before? Uh, oh, it must have been from when you... You must have heard it when uh, Sokozu said about what they were taking Grazer. It's like, no, before that, before that. And Dargo's like, no, okay, you're confused. You're not getting enough sleep. And you're watching too much TV. Put my tape back in. I'm going to figure it out. And Dargo kind of looks at him like... Just gives him a look, really. And John looks back and like, they hate you guys. And Dargo says, well, you know, I liked it there. Did you see the show? It's like, no. Well, you should. It's educational. They're not ready. And Dargo's like, you should move on, okay? We'll inquire at some nearby planets and... No, no, they won't know. I know. I just put the tape back in. I need to figure it out. So they pop the tape back in and we now see uh, Olivia, John's sister, as a talking head and says... Because now actually we kind of... The documentary is talking about John Crichton. And so uh, Olivia says that, you know, he's a lot more thoughtful than he used to be. He studies everything more keenly before deciding what to do. And Bobby, can I just say, while we're at it, the actor playing Bobby perfectly plays a kid in this. I mean, he he is a kid. <laughs> As me, it's a stretch for this actor, I know. But it's just, <laughs> he really gets, I don't know, he gets that, it doesn't feel like he's acting. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. He doesn't overdo it, you know. No. Yeah. He knows exactly, like, this This is exactly how I would expect a kid to behave in these situations. So, yeah, Bobby is, you know, we see home movies of Bobby talking to John, who's sitting on the stairs at his house, just, mm-hmm. I think, reading a book, looking, flicking through something. And what was the worst part about being in, in space? No toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> have not have toilet paper. No. Honest answer, and he takes out one of the photos that is in the photo book mm. he's looking through, and it's like, missing family. Bobby says, you know, what was different when you got back? Nothing, nothing's different. Earth's pretty much the same. And Bobby says, are you different? <sighs> yeah. The world seems smaller, which I love as a line, by the way. He also says, things that used to bother him don't bother him anymore. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the best part of this line, though, is the final bit where he says, he keeps waiting for something to happen, and when it doesn't, he has to remind himself that that's normal. Yeah. And then the psychologist pops in and says, and I love the way they constructed this sentence, post-traumatic stress syndrome. I can't be sure. I can't be sure without an observation. Mm. But blah, 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 seems like, especially the last bit, it might, might have been a lot of stress. But the fact that she says it like a statement <laughs> and then backtracks on it, because at that point you already believe it's true. Yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, but so well done. The, the conclusion she draws is like, the, this suggests he's been under enormous and continuous stress. It's like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's pretty much been his experience. Yeah, that's kind of what you get when you're on the run. On the run from... The cops. I mean, okay, so this woman has been mean and not nice earlier, but this is maybe not an unfair diagnosis of John. True... Because he's been through a lot, a lot of things. Uh, I don't know. I do not want to... I don't want to give her credit, I know, but... But she's probably right. Or at least uh, close to being right, because he's been through a lot of stuff, and he has changed a whole lot. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So we then cut back up to Moya. Well, we cut, you know, out from the documentary, and Chiana walks up into command and sees that Sikosa is just sitting with her feet up and not searching for Katrazzi. And she's like, whoa... Sokozu, you're supposed to be looking for Katrazzi. And she just says, look, nobody's heard of it. I've been finished for Arns. Pilots double-checked. Nobody's heard of it at all. John still thinks you're looking. It's like, let him 
Keep thinking that. I don't care. I'm done. People must be lying. It's like, no, they're not lying, Chiana. How do you know they're not lying? You can't tell when I'm lying. She's <laughs> like, yes, we can, all, we can all tell when you're lying. Yeah, you open your mouth and words come out. Oh, yeah. And so, so Chiana's kind of getting annoyed with Sokozu. And it's like, hey, don't lie to John. And so Sokozu gets really pissed off and she's just like, this is a waste of time and... Yeah, you you do it. If you're so if you're so keen on it, you do it. Because I'm done. And she just storms off. I like the Chiana that cares. I... Okay, we'll talk more about this later as this comes up more, but there's a lot of good character work with Chiana in this mm, episode. Agreed. And we'll get to more of that later. But first of all, we have some more footage uh, from the documentary. And we see it's Naranti making rat poison. Well, she's me- Naranti's making something. Yeah, because Bobby asked, what are you making? Rat poison? Oh, we're going to kill some rats? No, no, the rats asked me to make it to kill humans. Ha ha. I, lo- I, I love so much that Bobby like take- realizes that it's a joke. Yeah. And not that Naranti is an insane woman. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also, by the way, very formally dressed. Well, yeah. They, so occasionally they've been dressed up in human clothes, apart from Dargo, mm-hmm. probably because nothing fits him. But she's got like <laughs> yeah. a nice like dress on and her hair is pulled back in a nice hairdo. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah, she's chopping up some roots and leaves on the kitchen counter. And she says every planet has its potions just waiting to be discovered. I'm just playing, you know, trying to make something. Yeah. And I like that one of the, one of these experts comes back and says, like, look, I've seen the mir- the miracles that she's produced. People haven't explained it yet. Is it so hard for you people to believe that she might be able to do things that are extraordinary? She's extraordinary just by being here. And then we get, and I feel there's a joke here that I am missing, but mm. we get a government agent clearly <laughs> in, in shadow saying yes. we're um, pretty sure we know how she uh, made that blind boy see again. And I'm like... There's, I feel there's a joke here that I am missing. Possibly. I think it's weird. It's, I don't know. They don't really focus on it very much. It's, it's the hesitation which which the man says it that makes me think there's a joke here I'm missing. It may be that she can, she made him think he could see again or gave him hallucinations or something. Also, quick bit of background info. The guy who was, uh, who was playing the like uh, blacked out uh, yeah. agent, that was executive producer David Kemper. <laughs> Sweet! <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'll hide my face. And <laughs> but so Naranti, uh, Bobby actually asked Naranti, what did you think of South America? So clearly they've been traveling all over the world as well. Ah, cool. Apparently a lot more time passed during that episode than we realized. I mean, it was implied that a lot of time passed. True, so. fair enough. But yeah, she she's talking about that she liked all the green... She was a bit confused that there were no green people. That was a way that was a bit sad. Bobby says, like, people got freaked out by your third eye. And she's like, oh, yes, a bit afraid. Uh, well, Rigel's going down to sort it all out. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, that's going to um, help. <laughs> but I also like that she mentions that the thing that she finds really amazing about humans and that she also, like, what drew her to John in the first place is that our persistence... Mm. humanity's persistence even no matter how hopeless it is and how stupid we are we never give up yeah you're so ignorant but you keep hoping for a better tomorrow that's yeah, what exactly she says. even in insurmountable odds and it's, it's like it's kind of patronizing but also kind of hopeful i mean she, she recognizes where our strengths and weaknesses yes. are she does give credit where credit is due as far as she's regarded this is actually where i started liking the sociologist because he says well look at that we're, we're good at insurmountable, uh, like, in, in persisting. Yeah. This, this gives me hope that we would fit in. And, like, she, she's that's become impressed upon her just 
from meeting a few of us, you know, that's something she sees as, as a human quality. Yeah. That's a good thing to take away from that. Apparently, we sh- we're we're going to have to redefine how we look at ourselves at this point, because mm. the perspective got a little bit bigger. Yeah. And so Naranti then says, you know, Bobby, I can give you something that will make your voice drop. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, well, watch out for the rats. They go for the young ones first. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this is, I like that she's, you know, being like, she's actually having a laugh and having a, a joke with Bobby, yeah, which is nice. And, and it's clear that Bobby knows, is in on the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and so we then have a shot of Olivia saying, you know, she's actually really spiritual. You should hear her stories about religions of all the world she's visited and really mm-hmm. an eye opener. Much cruelty and kindness. and Yeah, and we cut to Naranti sitting at the table outside and Bobby asking her questions about talking about religion. When she says, like, what she asks him, what defines a good religion? And Bobby says, uh, do unto others, uh, valuing life. And she says, well, what about a belief in a higher power? Well, yeah. And she just says, hypocrite, hypocrite. And she's actually, she's reading through a Bible that's on the table in front of her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, this religion, your religion, uh, it justifies killing. And so much in the, you know, in the name of this and holds up a cross with Jesus on it. Yeah. And like cruelties just in the name of a higher being. And then we have Dr. Fletcher, right? The sociologist comes back and says, she's not wrong about us having a history of culture of killing. And that we continue to wallpaper it with justifications and platitudes. Yeah. A lot of the time based around religion. Like, there's nothing wrong with what she's saying. And I'm like, no, yeah, I don't see I a problem with what she's saying. All like, of that. It's, a fair, it's a fair analysis, yes. People use various different things, but also religion, to justify a lot of crap. Stuff that, you know, should be against what they believe. You know, it's... I like that, that she then... This Bobby asked, like, is you mean killing is always bad? She's like, no, sometimes you must. You have to. But uh, what's hypocritical is to condemn and then make allowances when the situation suits you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's I really like this scene from Naranti. It's really mm-hmm. good. And then, of course, the experts try to break <laughs> it down. Well, then, of course, the Reverend Buckley, who's a, you know, he's got, like, robes and he's a national level, like, religious yeah. leader, comes in and says, well, if her re- religion justifies killing, oh. then she's not someone I want telling us what to believe. And like, yeah. Eh. Uh, somebody from the foundation of american buddhists i think yes there's a man doing a very clearly put on and overly thick indian accent which i will not attempt to replicate because it's really bad and also with the whole with the whole outfit like you you do realize there are an Quite you don't have to wear who... orange robes to be a buddhist i was gonna say you do realize they also just wear t-shirts and jeans right i mean it's gonna be on tv maybe he's dressed up but <laughs> actually it's a fair point maybe but he's what he says is like no there's never an occasion where murder is allowable life is the font of everything we hold dear and then there's a general from the un united nations space God. command and it's like you know after she's had to kill somebody then i'll accept her pronouncements and i'm like okay i think you don't know this but i'm pretty sure naranti's killed someone before i, I have in my notes general she has killed more people in her youth than you will ever be able to kill in a lifetime. Yeah. Trust me on that one. From what I've seen of Naranti, she's neutral. Some of those deaths were on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you're right. <laughs> Most of them weren't. So yeah, and then Bobby asks her, like, oh, do religious do religions hate each other where you come from? And she's like, no, no, no. They'll work in harmony. They're grand lofty ideals. Not religious followers, however. 
that's another story and wars unspeakable things and so bobby says so we're not so different and naranti responds that's not something to be proud of oh it's such a good scene yeah i love it and we get a criminologist who basically like well she twists logic and makes it sound like something that makes sense but when you look deeper it's like it makes no sense i'm like well, could you help us go deeper? Because I don't see the problem here. Yeah. Enlighten me. Let me learn. Yeah. I, just, I really like that. Sorry, I really like that scene from between Bobby and Naranti. Yeah. Just picking apart how not being different from other places where religious wars are common. It's like, no, that's not something to be proud of. Yes, we're no. similar, but it's not a good thing. We shouldn't be like this. This shouldn't be the default. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's very philosophical and actually making points yeah. about humanity. Yeah. And so uh, we go back to Monroe and he says, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember just a few months ago. And then (laughs) John fast forwards to Aaron talking to Monroe in that interview with the same one we saw her talking to him earlier. And she says, you know, cultures may vary wildly from primitive to mechanized. There's still people still conduct their lives in basically the same way. So you're saying that we're not that different? It's like, yeah, in that way, Earth's no different from anywhere else. And so then Monroe goes on to ask, species from other worlds, can they have relationships, marriage, children? Yes, in some cases. Of course, I mean, there are limits. The genetics would have to work, basically. And then he asks if Sebations and humans could procreate, and Aaron just hesitates. Yeah, and... John pauses on that moment of hesitation. And we have like we have close ups on John's face, on his eye, like on his eyes specifically. Mm-hmm. And then he plays it back, he pauses again on that moment of hesitation. The moment where she's hesitating more, pauses that point again, and it's, I get the feeling that John is looking for any indication in Aaron's face, is this my child? Uh I feel like that's yeah, that that's the possibility. He's also just affected by this. It's like can they procreate can they procreate is it possible mm. and he also actually has flashes of her turning and looking at him saying i believe Kratzi to be some sort of fortified base and yeah and rewinds the tape again and by the way i'm pretty sure aaron never said that in the interview just to make clear no, that no that yeah, yeah yeah it should be in there it's indicated because like she turns looks at the camera rather mm. than at uh, monroe yeah. But then um, she finishes her thought and says, no way to be sure, but it, we do appear to be very similar. Yeah. Fascinatingly so, he says. And so we cut back to Monroe then in his studio pacing about and says, was that hesitation introspection or something more? How much trust, how open are we to be with these aliens? Are aliens breeding with us? Is it a good step forward or is it a threat? And then we have cuts to various experts. The Buddhist says... Well, if the union between Earth and Alien would be a wondrous thing, we can only hope it's possible. And the psychologist, Dr. Anderson, Uh. she says, like, again, she kind of has a point. (laughs) She definitely has a point. I I will counter this point happily. Make the point. But yeah, she says, if you thought mixed race children took abuse at the hands of others, wait until one is born with tentacles. Oh, yeah, that's the problem of the child and the parents, not the rest of society, is it? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, you're right about that. Also, yeah, society's messed up enough messed up enough that yes, that would absolutely happen. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, that is society's problem, not and not the child's. Yeah. That's not the principal's problem, that's society's problem. Yeah, which is the point which is what the the point she doesn't bring up. Exactly. Yeah. 
That's not that's not what she's aiming this at. No. And then Olivia just says, "Oh, come on, what's the big deal? First of all, I don't think Aaron's pregnant. Second, if she was, and fast forward. Mm-hmm. And then we see Bobby doing some secret filming, some covert Ooh. filming, investigative journalism. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's not not investigative journalism." And it's Olivia and John talking on Moya. And she's asking John if uh, he'll be okay. It's like, yeah, it's fine. But I just won't be the same. And she's like, you know, I can tell you've got feelings for Aaron. And I can tell that she's got feelings for you. She basically says, your tell is your lips soften when you talk about her. Her eyes light up when she sees you. Yeah, she's waiting for you. And John's like, she's got a word for us. It's called yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, this this was from Terraform. This was before they, you know, went through the whole thing to get back mm-hmm. together again. So, yeah. yeah. And then we cut back to John watching, just solemnly watching this whole thing. Well, he's leaning against the, um, the door, which is basically, remember, it's still a grate or, like, yeah, yeah. Um, bars. And then Chiana comes along and pokes her head in. John says, like, Okay, you know you know this word. You know Katrazzi. And John's like, no, I don't. No, you were there with me when we heard it on this ship. No, I didn't. Only from Sokoza. It's like, no, with me. And he keeps insisting. And then we see back on the TV, Aaron's putting Christmas presents under the tree. Th- there's a scene of her, you know, doing that. And Chiana says, like, to John, are you going to... When are you giving up? I'm not giving up. Like, you have to. Like, at some point, it's like, no, I don't. And then on the TV, Olivia now is filming... Uh, Bobby and Aaron <laughs> posing together. Bobby lo- doing the most like textbook hover hand I've ever yes, seen. Yes, <laughs> but also did you hear what Olivia said right before? Because um, he has the cameras like, oh, Olivia, could, uh, uh, oh, mom, could you shoot? Not uh, mom. Uh, She's his aunt. She's not, Bobby's not Olivia's kid. I'm sorry, this gets confusing at all. That's why it's weird that that he's his nephew. He was his cousin. This was not a problem before. Anyway, anyway. so yeah, he, he says, hey, could you shoot me an Aaron with camera? And she's like, yeah, I did have, uh, I did have a uh, inkling to shoot you right now. Yeah. So Chiana says again, it's like, you know, they don't like her there. They don't like us there. And John says, you watch too much TV. But, there's a few things in this scene that we gloss over. One, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Chiana never enters the room. No, she's hanging on the door. And yet she still reaches her hand through the bars and holds John's hand. Mm. Like, past the divide, she's still there yeah. for him. It's so subtle, and I love that. And it's good. That she's like, about Earth, like, nobody likes us there. I was thinking, why is this shocker? They've been to plenty of planets where they don't like them there. But it's because John has been their yardstick for humans. Yeah. And they're realizing that no, they're not all as John. John is not representative of the average, and that <laughs> that's both a good thing and not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but also on screen, Aaron's explaining how being raised in the military, she wasn't supposed to have connections to people, but she only misses that only missed that when she was exposed to it by meeting the others. Yeah, she's talking talking about that with Bobby. Then Monroe comes back on and is like, "Well, what do we know about?" And John says. I bet this guy wins an Emmy. Yeah, it's like complete resentment. And then we have uh, another bit of footage, which is Monroe says it's like a a moment that is uniting, surprisingly. And it's Chiana in the back garden of their Florida house, dressed in earth clothes, and she's cradling a dead rat. Mm -hmm. And she's crying. It's like, he he was my friend. We were playing. They just stopped outside the kitchen and he just ate something and now he's dead and... Oh, and she's like stroking it and clearly very upset and also i'm like oh she was making rat poison yeah 
but again, it's Chiana being kind of the heart of this yeah. crew, which I really like. I like that development for Chiana. Chiana's always been the heart. Yeah, but it's more to the forefront now. Mm. And I would say that when Zan was there, Zan was the heart of the, the crew. True. But because Chiana, I would argue, rarely thinks, because she does a lot of things impulsively, that's yes. in the same way that Dargo feels emotions very strongly in both directions. Chiana is somebody who has a lot of heart in both directions, both good and bad. It means she doesn't think as much, but it also means she's very emotionally like connected to other people mm, empathetic very empathetic yeah i think has, that's a, a, has a lot of empathy yeah that's mm-hmm. a good point and so we see olivia saying you know the more time you spend with chiana and the others the more you realize we're not that dissimilar and now we see bobby filming dargos looking out over the bay like looking out of the water from their house and and says you know i'm just i'm appreciating beauty <laughs> i didn't think i would like earth at first but I do. It reminds me of my planet 10,000 cycles ago. It's supposed to be undisciplined and adventurous. Yeah. And the sociologist comes in again. It's like, here we are, thinking of ourselves as so incredibly advanced. And he calls us undisciplined and adventurous. And he says this in the most joyous tone possible. Yeah, it's not a bad thing to him. It's like, no. yeah, <laughs> we, we still have so much more to learn. And that's a, that's a, a good thing to hear. That yeah. We don't know everything. And we will have to probably redefine how we look at the world and ourselves in every aspect due to this. And he's that's not something he he clearly he's excited about that, not frightened by it. Yeah. I think they got the sociologist on this to be the dissenting voice that they can then just ignore. Yeah, to like shoot down. Yeah. And then they talk about Dargo being a warrior. Dargo says to Bobby, it's like, you know, there are better things to do with your life. Yeah, it's like that was an accident of birth. And then he talks about his tongue. It's like, look, Bobby... I can't. I don't kill people with my tongue. It has adaptive venom. Nobody dies, and no, I won't use it. He he specifically says nobody dies, and that's a very important important point to him. Not killing people with my tongue is the whole point of my tongue to me, yes. and to the series, I've, I would argue. So then we have a xenobiologist. Oh, I love this man. Who then says, you know, we only see the differences: tentacles, venom, tongue, but everything everything's alien. But if you close your eyes and listen, Dargo could be anybody. Yeah, and then we cut back, and Bobby says to Dargo, "He's like, I thought you were great on Letterman." And Dargo like like leans a bit awkward, like, "Oh well, uh, thanks." I I mean, I thought everyone was yeah laughing laughing with me rather than. that complete self consciousness that everybody who would have after being on Letterman. Yeah, well, just I love that because that is that's the side of Dargo we've seen, you know, that more vulnerable side mm. where he's like, "Oh well, you know." And I love the point the xenobiologist makes, like close your eyes do you hear a difference i don't yeah and so then monroe comes back on it's like you know whenever we're there's an instance we're being lulled into accepting them as nothing more than odd looking people there's another moment where we shat that shatters that illusion yeah this was intentionally made to contrast against something else there we go and so then we see bobby is following dargo and moya it's like go on use use the tongue and Dargo's like, all right, fine. Okay, turn that off. Dargo is intentionally like, no, I've told you a thousand times for all the same reasons, no. And Bobby is insistent. It's like, come on, it's cool. Tell me it's not cool. It's like, right, yeah, it's cool. And he shakes his head at cool. And there's like, all right, fine, turn the camera off. And Bobby says, oh, yeah, and just puts the camera down, doesn't turn it off. No. And then Dargo flicks him with the tongue. Bobby falls over. And he's like, ah, uh, Bobby? Ah, uh, Noranti. Can you come wake him up, please? 
And the psychologist is like, oh, this should only happen in a controlled environment. This is incredibly dangerous. And like, why are they asking your opinion on this? I'm sorry. This would be this would be more something for the xenobiologist to talk about, but okay. And then the Buddhist comes back and is like, no, the boy didn't die. He's wiser. Yeah, it's, everything is an experience. He's not dead. What are you? What are you people worried about? And the psychologist again. She says the aliens can't have the run of our planet until we know more about their psychology. And then we see Bobby is now filming Chiana in the bathroom in front of the mirror. She's got like a yeah. towel around her, and she's covered in different like colors of makeup. And she says like, "What's up? what is this? What's this for?" Holding up some lipstick. Yeah, it's like it's for your lips. And she just takes a bite out of it, keeps playing around with stuff, and like, so many, why are there so many colors? And what's all this for? And uh, the Buddhist guy says again, like, you have to look past the physical and look at the spiritual. Look, she's condemning materialism and waste, which is a highly evolved <laughs> outlook. It's like, well... And there's like... What was it? A philosopher? I can't remember who, what... A behavioral professor. And he's like, well, her 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 views are very consistent, very well thought out, and uh, she makes a good point. And I'm like, guys, no, no. Chiana's not a philosopher. Got, okay, no. No, oh, no, all right. I refute this because, no, she's not a philosopher, but that doesn't mean she isn't making relevant points. Oh, no, she's making relevant points. It's just the way that they're elevating her as a great thinker. I'm like... Listen, Chiana is the greatest thinker of our time. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and saying how Chiana rejects materialism, like... They're, I think they're assigning more uh, conscious thought to it than there is. Yes. But it's still accurate. Chiana steals a whole bunch of things. She's incredibly materialistic. <laughs> no, she steals a bunch of stuff because, you know, personal possessions are a societal construct. <laughs> and really, everything belongs to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this only flies when you're the rogue in D and D, and even then, your DM calls you <laughs> calls well, your Chiana shit on it. Well, Chiana is obviously the rogue. I mean, come on. Yeah, of course. I think we've established. We've this. said that before. Yeah, I I don't know. I like some of this because it's like, yeah, actually, a lot of the things that they mention is like, yeah, I can see how you would reach that conclusion. I like her questions. Like, do males use this as well? And they're like, well, not really. Apart from that one cousin in our family, nobody talks about. <sighs> <sighs> And Chiana's also like like completely confused by that. It's like what? Why? That's that's such a waste. Yeah. And then she mentions that she's baffled by the fact that we have like a shower. She's seen a house with two uh, with one room with two sinks, one shower, a bath, and two toilets. Like, why do? You, how much more water do you need? You can totally just wash up in the bath in the in the toilet. And she starts doing that. Bobby's like, oh. And then Chiana looks at him. It's like, what are you looking at? She looks hurt. Yeah, she she really is. She does look hurt. And if you follow, because now we cut to another uh, few talking heads. But if you follow the the video, you can clearly see her just telling Bobby to leave the bathroom because she's clearly hurt by that. And then the psychologist she says, you know, what we're seeing here is clearly a very young, disturbed alien girl. Also, we're zooming out out of the TV bit to see that it's Rigel and Chiana watching this. Yeah, and we see the uh, bishop who says, you know, this woman should not be allowed near any impressionable child. She's dangerous, troubled, and a bad influence. So yeah, Chiana and Rigel are watching, and Chiana turns the TV off, and Rigel looks down at his popcorn. He's like, I'm sick of popcorn. I'm sick of humans. And Chiana got powder from their auntie to help John sleep. And it's like, should I take it to him? Rigel says, no, give it to me. Chiana also says, I feel sorry for John. Don't. Feel sorry for Aaron. Yeah, he'll get over it. And she's like, I don't think he will, Rage. I don't think he's ever going to give up. No matter how long it takes, I don't think he'll lose hope. Mm. 
Was there also a bit of admiration in that comment from Chiana? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. But it's it's very, she plays it very subdued and thoughtful. Mm, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's that's right. So then again, we see John watching, and again he's he's seen the his vision or flashes of Aaron saying Catrazzi, you know, wouldn't have taken Grazer anywhere else. And then we see Bobby was filming Rigel, Rigel watching American Hand Egg, <laughs> <laughs> and like tables full of candy and other stuff and, and hamburgers and, and yeah and he's like who's winning i am no the game the traditional american kotatsu uh <laughs> eat your hamburgers apollo inside jokes and yeah he's like i don't care who's winning i'm just i want sugar and grease and all that stuff it's great i love it yeah then the sociologist comes again it's like now you may call me crazy but i think that man has a better understanding of our culture than we are willing to admit ourselves because Raja says like on, on my planet you know sugar is a poison but you put it in everything and all of this stuff you get eat everything oh, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> and he says like what what else do you like gambling you can do it over the phone you can talk to females over the phone as well one nine hundred sluts <laughs> says Rigel <laughs> I God. Pure like hedonism, like this whole thing from Rigel. It's like that's yeah. what he likes about Earth. Mm. Bobby then says, like, could so could you see yourself living here? It's like, well, as long as I get to keep my slaves. No, they're not slaves. They they get paid. They're servants. You don't own them. And Rigel's like, what? You're kidding. They come running when I call. It's because the government wants to make you feel at home. And then Rigel says, then give me slaves. And then there's a woman who's from the State Department or something. It's like, well. I just whatever you might think of this man or what he looks like, he is the ruler of six hundred billion subjects, so he must be doing something, right? Uh, let me introduce you to the concept of a monarchy, where <laughs> you do not need to be doing anything right to be the monarch. <laughs> you just need to have been born. Also, I don't know if he told you this. He was deposed. I was gonna. Say. He ain't ruler of shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he left that bit out. Just conveniently not mentioning that he was deposed. Oh yeah. it's like yeah i don't think he's i don't think that's the right no he's not doing anything right what was it pilot said it's like you were deposed in a plot by your own cousin yeah (laughs) i wouldn't be a good dominant if i didn't see things coming it's like well (laughs) guess what you're not and what you're not anymore so okay now we have oh this is possibly my favorite part of the episode yes because we were wondering this i wanted this so badly i hoped it would come up in terra firma but when it came up here i literally punched the air i was like yes Yes. because Monroe says there's a little known fact about this story and that there's at least one there's someone who makes a claim that the aliens have been here before in 1985 months before the Challenger space shuttle disaster yes and he welcomes on Robert Shellmarket former sheriff from Orlando still sheriff no aliens are gonna get me off my Chase it's me off the, my turf. It's the guy who they didn't, you know, knock out, wipe his memory. That was yeah. the guy they left and who was being interviewed by Mulder and Scully, kind of, at the end of Kansas. Yes. I was like, yes, they re- referenced it, they brought it back. They remembered, they remembered that they had this in their pocket and there was still some gold to be mined yeah. from it. And he is the same actor. They, I think they just added a little bit of grey to his temples. Yeah. And he's like, good evening. And he comes on and he says, you know, the, yeah, they were all here. The ears, the tentacles, share. Give <laughs> <laughs> Monroe like, share? Which was, of course, Aaron, to refresh everyone's <laughs> memories. 
and then he and then Monroe he, then he brings out a carved pumpkin it's like and their leader which is a pumpkin carving of Rigel oh I thought this was the pumpkin that Rigel had carved no because the pumpkin Rigel had carved First of all, it was of a Scorpius. Second of all, that was 18 years ago. Yeah, third of all, it was orange. And that pumpkin would have just disintegrated. I think what this is, is that these are pumpkins that he's been carving obsessively. Mm. You know, because he, he was not left with all of his faculties thanks to the ministrations of Naranti. Not only that, this... Um, so yeah, he, he starts talking about, like, yeah, the, the things that they did. First... They uh, kidnapped the young astronaut, John Crichton. Then they set our uh, our space program back. I'm like, I don't think they did They grounded that. us. Well, initially the channel... So, okay, this is weird because when they went back, the Challenger space shuttle thing was brought forward or so that, that Jack Crichton went on it instead. But mm-hmm. then during Kansas, it got pushed back because Jack didn't go on the mission and that would delay it. So from his point of view, it's like, yeah, there was a delay because... The mission commander couldn't go on the mission, and that was all they're doing. And well, he didn't end up going anyway. So then, and then, and then he said, then they installed tiny microchips in our brains, and then he brings out a baseball cap that's lined with tin foil, and he says oh. that keeps the signals out. And it's like, oh, 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 good. Oh no, oh this poor man. Monroe then says, "What do you think the signals are telling us?" And he says, "Well, eat fatty foods. It's obvious. Like, look, you see, see their puny." The alien leader, you see Rigel on that footage talking about fat, and that's the human downfall. We get fat, can't move, they waltz in and defeat us. That easy to take over our world. And Monroe is looking at him like, what? (laughs) Just like, (laughs) oh, he's insane. (laughs) And he says, well, in this man's defense, he did give very accurate descriptions of these aliens. Don't eat fat vegetables! (laughs) <laughs> look at me lean undefeatable like he opens his jacket and he's like look I'm so thin I'm so thin <laughs> it's like fruit vegetables and Monroe's just trying to keep going apparently they didn't cut this bit out yeah and he's like well you, he did spend the last 18 years in an institution and it's like yeah so so yeah. what vegetables so? oh god this poor man this poor yeah. guy they screwed up his life they really did because it's like I'm assuming that the fact that he saw them probably wasn't the problem and whatever Naranti did, I don't think Naranti did that much permanent damage. The fact that everybody considered him crazy, and that meant that he couldn't start trusting his own eyes and ears and his own mind anymore, yeah. that's what screwed him up. And probably, like, coming into contact with conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. And also, like, he he kind of, like, half-remembered a lot of stuff because of yeah. him being knocked out at least twice. So, yeah, then Monroe kind of switches up to the next segment we see footage of chiana dancing outside in like the back porch and she's wearing like a nice like black dress and as she's like just dancing and she's like come on bobby dance dance with me and he's like i don't like dancing he's like no come on picks him and like grabs him and they dance a bit and then she leans in and says hey bobby what so what do you think of sex uh but why why are you asking me that just curious well i haven't had any and she stops dancing she's like what you haven't had it how old are you? And thirteen. And it's like so. And it's like yeah, that's against the law. And I'm like, oh no, no, not the law. No, the one thing Chiana hates more than anything else. But Chiana says it's like 
the trail who cares when you have it and bobby says mom you know the cops <laughs> stuff i do like that when she says mom chiana seems to back off a little bit yeah she doesn't actually press that side of things she moves on to a different point which mm. is um she then says okay well why then are all the girls wearing those clothes and bobby's like well they see it in magazines and stuff and it's like but chiana then says well then but somebody sold them those clothes so mm. somebody wants them to have sex and Bobby's like, huh, I never thought of it like that. Again, it's like, it is that that issue of, like, sexualizing, you know, young children just through that kind of, like, fashion and like, things like that. Yeah, it's like... That's in a, a lot of ways in our culture, yep. And that's messed up. And, like, again, like, Chiana, that sort of, that outsider innocence pointing out these really stupid things that our culture does. And it's like, why do you need three holes from water to come from? And why are you sex- sexualizing children through advertising? And I like that the Buddhist, again, is, like, laughing. It's like, well, her innocence is incredibly contagious. And he's laughing about it. And he's clearly also being like, yeah, she's making a good point. And then the bishop comes in and he's like, it's outrageous and disgusting. That's he's only 13. It's like, okay, Chiana didn't actually come on to him, and which is what Olivia says. She's like, yeah. don't make that out to be more than it was. Like, she wasn't coming on to him, any of that stuff. She was inquiring about our culture. But then when the other talking head says, you know, this was kind of innocent. Like, you get more juicy stuff from dawson's creek I mean, yeah <laughs> and then we see more footage it's this time it's bobby talking to sokozu on moya and sokozu is off screen like the camera's put down on like a, a console sokozu is like a, a hand comes down from above the top and gives bobby a com she, she's like try it out and he's like uh, okay uh john Crichton, commander Crichton. And John comes on the comms. Yeah, and John's like, well, how do you get this? Oh, Sikozu gave me it to try out. He's like, where are you? He's like, I'm working. I'm in Australia. Which I like. It's like, oh, they're traveling the world. Also, yeah, that that is where John works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Australia. Oh, shit. That's where this show is filmed. <laughs> I'm working. I'm in Australia. Oh, he's God. Like, he's that's... not technically wrong. No. <laughs> oh, but, but also, the line that Sokozu opens with here is your curiosity makes you look at unexpected places which is like a compliment to humanity and also the fact that Bobby notices her on the ceiling almost immediately as he turns around despite her being quite high up for the camera's perspective and as he's talking to John she walks down the wall onto the floor and the experts are like he's like when I met her I had no idea she could do that but isn't that amazing that's incredible and then there's the um, psychologist she says you know there's nothing about Sokozu that in my opinion is not infused with anger and disdain E.T. she is not well she's not wrong but and as she says this we see like Sokozu leafing through books in the house and she's wearing like human human clothes and like a stripy tank top and you know regular human clothes then we cut to moya and sikozu and pilot are talking she's asking like should we keep going what do you think yeah because at this point sikozu's walking i think she's on the comms walking through the ship and pilot is back at his den and pilot says despite my deep feelings for officer sun i don't think we should continue i don't think there's any point we've tried everything we can't find it and Sikosa says, I'll tell Crichton. Tell me what? Yeah, because she goes to his quarters and she says, we can't find Aaron. We cannot find Katrazzi. Nobody has even heard the name. You've heard it with me. I've heard it. You've heard it. No, we haven't. Yes, on this ship. Somebody said it and she's like, no, look, nobody's heard it. We can't find it. And he 
grabs her and like starts yelling. He's like, what are you not telling me? You're lying yeah. to me. You've been lying to us ever since you came aboard this ship. He pulls a gun on her and she says, I'm telling you everything. At this point, you can also see John's eyes are red because he's b- between crying and just lack of sleep. Yeah. He is completely broken at this point. And Koza's like, I'm telling you the truth. Look, it's not my providence whether Erin lives or dies. I That's not my department. I can't help you. While she's saying this, Sokozu on screen is singing and like going around with the bowl. Yeah. And there's also, I think one of the lines real life Sokozu says is everything lives and everything dies. It is not by your command. You have to deal with reality. Also, like, there's a season for life and a season for death. Where did yeah. you get that one from? She didn't use the same words, but it did sound very familiar. Sometimes life happens and you have to deal with it. Everything lives, everything dies. And then she's yelling that. John's pointing the gun at her face. You know, his eyes are red. He's yelling, Katrazzi, you've heard it. Katrazzi. And on the TV, Sokozu is playing around with, it's like a metal cooking tin. And then she holds it up in front of her. And she's singing, by the way, in that. I really like that. Just a detail of, of a Sokozu that isn't angry. Yeah, and she's playing with this metal tin, and she holds it up in front of her face, in front of half of her face. Yes. And then John looks at it, and he's like, wait, he realizes, he recalls, Flashing back to unrealized reality. He puts his gun away and he just sits down on the bed and just looks at it. And then he flashes. He rewinds it a bit to see that bit again of the metal mm-hmm. face. And he pauses it on there. And it's like he sees Sokozu Stark saying, shoot me now, shoot me now, I'll disperse. And then John pointing his gun at her. And then she like holds her arms out and says, Katrazzi, Katrazzi, and gets shot. And then that's all the clips from unrealized reality. Yeah. And then he realizes like, that's where he's heard it before. That's where the information lies. And John, again, he sees like that flashing with that and flashing with Aaron saying Katrazzi. And then he turns to Sokozu and he's like, I'm sorry, puts the gun down. And he's like, and then he turns and looks back at the TV and he's like, that son of a bitch deserves an Emmy. <laughs> I love that little line. Yeah. And then he turns the TV off and, and walks out. So then John is in Pilot's Den asking if he, Pilot knows where the wormhole to Earth is. And he says, well... Yes, but... And John says, okay, we need to go there. No, I need to discuss that with Captain Dargo, who just walked in. And Dargo says, what is it? And John says, it's complicated. Dargo's like, okay, I understand. But Pilot then says, we must remind you, Moira is now phobic to wormholes. She won't go down them. And John's like, look, she doesn't have to go down them. Just get close enough for the module. I can do it myself. And Dargo says, like, you are not going back to Earth. I'm not. First of all, what gives you the right to make that decision, Dargo? He's the captain, you see. No. <laughs> I, I know, but that's uh, yeah. a decision for John to make. And so we don't see him explain. In fact, what we then see is Monroe closing up. Well, now this network calls upon the government to release all the files pertaining to Officer Sh- uh, Shellmarker's allegations of past visitation, anything else related to that. And when the aliens return, and they will... We should have an aggressive quarantine until the true nature of their presence is ascertained. These same aliens we see with wonder as they learn our language, dance to our music, but they also carry weapons as well as illness, and they could destroy us. And they've been here once. They seem to, we seem to have dodged a bullet. Can we be sure that'll happen next time? And thank you, and good night. And Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That ends the documentary. Two things. I'm willing to bet money that this is not on a very regular channel, but some C-rated oh, yeah. backwater channel. Yeah. Definitely. 
Yeah, this is not like a major network. This is no. like a access, cable access or something. I yeah, that's why I, why I think that the production values were intentionally hokey <laughs> to give that idea. Because I think John is reading more into this than he should. Of course he is, you know. And secondly, 120 hours of footage were released when Bobby put all that stuff on, uh, put all that stuff out there. I'm frilling betting you that most of that is online and people are drawing completely different conclusions from it can you can you imagine in Tumblr 2002 f- 120 hours of sd 480p footage in 2002 2003 yeah fair point i was gonna bring up tumblr but that doesn't work in that, that Tumblr did not exist nope <laughs> <laughs> it was a simpler time this was the days of like limewire and shit I mean, like that actually limewire could have been used for that <laughs> it would have made more sense these days it would have been like on torrent sites and everywhere yeah. and but uh 120 hours of footage is a lot <laughs> imagine yeah. waiting for that to sure. download over like a 56k modem <laughs> broadband wasn't even fully in back then i'm telling you there's probably more look it would have all been in real player format and <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 2002 okay. and the internet you know it's a lot further back than you realize <laughs> we had internet that's at least something but yeah so that was um but the the episode is not yet over oh no it is boy not. is it not because we go down to scorpius's room and we see scorpius is lying on his bed and it sort of pans around him and we see john at the door and he says you set me up not that i care but you set me up i don't care about much war death wormholes I don't care about the things you care about. He says as he comes into the room. Yeah. I don't care about the Scarens ruling the peacekeepers. I don't care about the peacekeepers ruling the Scarens. Heck, for all that, I, I care they can rule together inside a cage. Sorry, rule together and put you in a cage. But I care about one thing. One. And then he looks up like, God, have mercy on my soul. I think I'm going to need your help, Mr. Scaren Halfbreed, to get Eren back. You help me get her, I give you wormholes. I have an idea how to find the Scarron base. Aaron for wormholes. That's the deal. And then John stands up, leaves. And then as he leaves, Scorpius sits up. This whole time, Scorpius was looking at John, but still lying down. Yeah, like Wayne Pegram doing very subtle emotional changes due to what John is saying. Which is very impressive through all the makeup that he's yeah. wearing. It's incredibly subtle, but you can mm. see his eyes widen just a little bit when he brings the deal. And then once John leaves... Scorpius sits up on the bed, looks off to the side, and we fade out on Scorpius's face. The music face. is very dramatically yeah. swollen at that point as well. We fade out on his face and end of episode. And John is making a deal with the devil to go play in the God's Playground. That's nice. How long did it take you to write that down? Mm, not that long. <laughs> it was actually the God's Domain, but ah, pretty well, much that. Well, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, so... <laughs> This is the documentary where you thro- draw me through the drag, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm just going to drag. <laughs> just dragging. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so that was the end of the episode. That was a constellation of doubt. <sighs> Woof. That was way more than just John watches TV, which was great. Yeah. Is John going to do what I think he's going to do? If you mean like pop back to an unrealized reality. Yeah. I feel like that's his plan. <laughs> Because that's the only place he's heard Katrutzi before. Yeah, he needs Scorpius' help. That can mean two things. It can mean he's going to take Scorpius with him. Mm-hmm. Or it means he's going to take Scorpius with him. What you don't see is Red tapping the side of his head because this is an audio format. <laughs> 
what you don't realize is that Red was trying to do that on purpose to make it vague for the audience, but not vague for hats. <laughs> the other thing is that we know that Scorpius knows about wormholes to a certain extent and more than he let on because yeah. in unrealized reality john realizes that scorpion knew about the time the time manipulation you can do yeah and that's why he said like i'm gonna need your help and you set me up those were both i think related to that and yeah so that's where we're going with that so yeah but let's before we get into where we're going with you know next week let's talk about what we thought of this episode this what did you reckon oh it's incredibly interesting. It's a little bit disjointed because it's jumping about between the documentary and what's happening on Moya, and the ties are very loose. But I do like a lot of specific scenes from it. So I feel like it works together quite well because... So this is my reasoning, is that the scenes aboard Moya, what's happening aboard Moya, it's actually very slow. It's a quiet period where John is watching TV and everyone else is just trying to come to terms with what's happened and maybe find Aaron, but it's actually very slow. They're not under attack. There's none of that happening. So that isn't at odds. There's not like extra chaos in there when added to by the um, documentary stuff. So I feel like it actually kind of works together and it's, there's a bit of jumping around as we have that bit where we cut to Rigel and Chiana watching it. But I think, I think it doesn't feel confusing to me at least. It's, it's not so much confusing. It's that the two, threads never like play off each other mm. i feel yeah it just kind of pulls back out to john watching and then a, and then an additional scene happens mm. where he's talking to chiana or dargo it makes sense that he's obsessing over it a little bit to some degree but if it would be more interesting if he was only focusing on the parts of Aaron, for example i'm glad they didn't do that because we got to see a lot of character development mm. for a lot yeah. of these characters just by looking at them through Bobby's camera, like seeing Dargo wrestle with things he's done, Chiana being like the heart. Yeah, the sort of innocent Chiana's innocence coming out a bit more because mm. oh, that bit where she looks hurt when Bobby is filming yeah. her in the bathroom, and she's just like, "What?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah, she is. She's still just a child, really, herself." In some ways, she is. In other ways, she definitely isn't. But yeah, it's, it's... but I, I, I've liked that move more recently to making Chiana the heart of the team much yeah. more to the forefront also in the scene where with Sokozu where she says you don't lie to John yeah she's protecting John because you know she cares about him she's and... like you don't lie to him if you're not going to do anything then fess up and be honest mm. don't pull this crap on him that's not what you do with friends exactly and uh, I think we don't get a lot of development of Sokozu really a little bit when she gets angry and it's like look people live and die that that's something you have to deal with that's real life yeah man. I, I hope that at some point we learn what made Sokozu look at the world that way. Yeah, I hope so too. Probably not going to happen in this season, but... But I also like a lot of the things they bring up about how it affects, how the alien visit affects Earth and mm, you know, yeah. society. And that's all, I feel like that's all pretty good. And, and they have the talking heads do a good job of both being, both like the reasonable ones who we are as the audience who's been following this crew, you know, meant to agree with, but then also the ones who were clearly meant to, you know, not like the, you know, the psychologist woman who's like, wow, they're all dangerous. 
and how how you said that the the way they cut things and the way they say things and the word choices they make general cardago yeah really clearly show the bias that they're trying to bake into this yeah but which they do without it turning into like an over the top like fox news parody no exactly they're like they're like frighteningly subtle with it so yeah i i really enjoyed this episode much more than yeah. i thought i would from the synopsis john watches tv <laughs> <laughs> all right so I'm interested to see what rating you're going to put on it because I think I know what I'm I'm doing. What rating are you going to give it? Oh, now I have to, now I have to start. Uh, I'm making you do it. Three out of five. Really? Yeah. Really? I'm yeah. surprised about that. High three out of five. I'm actually that's... surprised. Oh, man, don't make me feel bad like that. I'm not going to make you feel bad. I'm just surprised that that was that was the rating. That's not what I was expecting because I. I'm going to buck the trend and I'm going to rate it higher. And in fact, I'm going to rate it five out of five. Wow. Because I I was struggling between three and four. Five was not on the table for me. The reason I give it a five is because it's able to pull off all the things that we talked about within one episode. And for me watching it, it was it wasn't too disjointed mm-hmm. it actually worked together well again we don't have to agree i'm willing i'm going up to 4 but that's 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 as high as we'll go all right i see Drive four, four i hear more than four do i hear five do i hear five do i have five or five no no five all right sold to the man with the hair uh-huh. i resent that accusation i have anyway gotcha yeah so yeah all right okay four and a five i can appreciate you know the criticisms of it i just feel like i i i just really liked it and i not that this is always a way to determine it but there isn't really a lot i would change about this Mm, episode true you know these things are subjective and it comes down to how much we enjoyed it and i i guess i enjoyed it a bit more i've said it before it scores can change depending on the day of the week or the weather outside (laughs) You know, the the whole bit in front of the score is the important part. Yes. So, yeah. But I think we can both agree that it was a good episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And did a lot of character... It did what Farscape does best, which is character work mm-hmm. while, you know, keeping a narrative going. Yep. Actually, before we finish, there's a few things I should mention. This is background info. So, okay. We know that going up... This is, this is towards the end of season four. And... Season four of Farscape was cancelled. You know, well, not cancelled. Farscape was cancelled after season four. Yeah. And the way that TV shows work a lot of the time is they film things out of order, out of broadcast order. And this episode, a lot of the scenes in this episode, oh no, were the last scenes shot and were there was when they found out they were being cancelled. Oh. And so the scene with Chiana in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That was Gigi Edgeley's final recorded scene as Chiana. And so she tried She tried to do as many different things as she could to make it the best Chiana scene she could. Aww. And the Claudia Black's final scene was the one in the kitchen where she makes the sandwich with uh, Bobby. In fact, the scene between John and Olivia aboard Moya was the last scene filmed during the production of Farscape Season 4. Wow. And it took it took them four takes to do, and yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because Ben Browder was probably trying not to cry and failing half the time. Mm. This was before they realized they were getting a, a mini series to finish the story up. Yeah, because they knew they'd been cancelled, and then there was a campaign to get them back, and that's how we ended up with Peacekeeper Wars. And we'll talk more about that once we get to that. Yeah, 
But um, at this point, they had found out that they were being cancelled. And uh, the final scene, actually, the final scene, John and Olivia, it took four takes, but the the first take they did, it was called Take 33. Because Anthony Simcoe has like a, a phrase he would say, which was, Take two is for dickheads, but take 33, Brando. <laughs> which is which is just fantastic. I love that. <laughs> that um, sounds like something Anthony Simcoe would say, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I did, like reading this stuff. I was like, wow, a lot of this was like the last bits of Farscape film. So yeah. it's it's a bit odd to mention it now because this is episode 17. But in production order, you know, they finished here. They'd filmed the final episodes beforehand because mm-hmm. that's how TV production works. You don't always film things chronologically. No, sometimes it's just easier to do it in another in a different order because it's cheaper to do. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like, wow. Going back and Ugh. knowing that and specifically the Chiana scene, you're like, that was the last time Gigi Edgeley played Chiana in the series. Like, obviously they come back for Peacekeeper Wars. Yeah. But at the time they were like, this is the last time I get to play Chiana. Mm. And, like, she really did a fantastic job with that scene particularly. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to give it everything because this is the last chance I get. So, yeah, there we go. A little bit of background info about the production of this episode. Wanted to get that in there before we uh, finish mm. up. Oh, man, it's kind of it's kind of sad, but... Uh, yeah, we're coming to the end, buddy. We are, we are. That's what I was getting at. Like, we're at episode 17, and we have 22 episodes in this season. So we've got five left, then Peacekeeper Wars. So that's about... What do you... Probably Two about... Months? Minimum five... Well, it's going to be more like... Six to eight weeks, and we'll be done. We'll see how many episodes Peacekeeper Wars ends up being. Uh, probably more than one. Well, definitely more than one, but whether it's two, three, who knows. We'll figure that out. But yeah, we've got five episodes left of this season, and oh boy, it's almost done. We're almost there. All right, so up next, let's talk about next week. Episode 18. It's called Prayer, and I think you'll like this synopsis. Oh boy. Crichton and Scorpius travel to Bizarro Moya from Unrealized Reality to find the location of Katrazzi. And meanwhile, we see what's been happening to Aaron. <gasps> oh. I just realized the flaw in their plan. Who says that Bizarro Moya's universe has Katrazzi in the same place as our universe? Yeah, that's a fair That's a fair point, but it's the only lead they've got. That's fair. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be next week and... You can feel like the Scarron angle. That's we're ramping up. That's going to be the mm. the the arc for the end of this season. So yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. All right, that's it from us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Farscape. This was a really interesting one to talk about. I felt yeah, agreed. Really enjoyed that. So yeah, we'll be back next time with prayer. Till then, you can find us around the web on Twitter at Can't Wear Hats and Red at Nightmare Seven. And don't forget, go to CanWearHats.co.uk for previous episodes, links to RSS feeds, iTunes. And Patreon, which is patreon.com slash can't wear hats, which supports this podcast and other projects. Uh, but yeah, that's it from us this week. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. And now back to Farscape Rewatch, a documentary. Well, you know, working with Red on the project, it was fine at first, but then after a length of time, it just got a bit too much, just constantly asking to redo bits and retake things, and got all the points he was bringing up, and that was all You terrible. son of a bitch! Hey, whoa! No, come man! Come I, here! Come here! I'm being interviewed somewhere else! Get, get off me! Get, 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 get,
All footage after this point was rendered unusable.